welcome to the Help Myself Podcast. I'm your host, John M. Singletary Sr. Gotta put that senior in there, because I got my junior right there in the background. John M. Singletary Jr., affectionately known as LJ. And I'm just here to share another exciting episode. Episode number 10. So excited about that. Um... We've got some some really exciting things lined up for you the second half of this season. So I wanted to do something new, something a little bit different for this episode to get prepared for some of the great things coming on the second half of the season. But more importantly, I can't help myself. I've got to encourage. I've got to inspire. I've got to empower. But I can help myself by being the absolute best version of myself, self-actualizing and continuing to press towards the mark. So obviously, we've got uh, my co-host riding shotgun. He's standing right here. I think he's just waiting for the perfect moment to uh, jump in and give you his unique spin on what we're going to talk about. And, you know, we're not going to be talking about nothing but what we're talking about today. So <laughs> I had a pastor that used to say that all the time. And I used to laugh about that all the time. But um, today I do definitely want to do something different. Um, in the second half of the season, again, like I said, we're going to have some guests uh, and, you know, I talked about it in the intro, you know, some exciting folks kind of get their perspectives. We'll share ideas. We'll hear their stories of resiliency and success and all of that. And so uh, I figured that our first guest interview would be none other than myself, John M. Singletary Jr., the host or senior. I'm sorry, <laughs> the host of the Help Myself podcast. And uh I just feel like this would be a great opportunity to learn a little bit about me and my journey and what brought me here to this point to uh, hosting, being the content creator for the Help Myself podcast and uh, just some of the things that have gotten me to this point in my life. So instead of doing a whole bunch of talking and freelancing and carrying on, we'll get right into it. So obviously I've introduced myself um, I'm John M. Singletary Sr. The most important thing to me is fatherhood. Um, Being a father to my son, he is easily the most important and influential person in my life and the person that I love more than life itself. And um, his life and his journey has profoundly impacted me. Um, A huge reason why I'm here where I'm. So, So that title of fatherhood is definitely one of the most important. Um, I'm a military man by trade, uh, superintendent of uh, a branch of recruiting in the military. And, you know, I am proud of my accomplishments, but even more proud of the team that I have the privilege to serve uh, men and women that that day in and day out, they continue to do amazing things. And uh, I am just so honored and blessed that they look at me as their leader um, because I definitely wouldn't be where I am in my career and in, in, at this point in our organization if it wasn't for them. Um, I'm also a published author. The name of my book is The Journey, 
From Fear to Abundant Faith. Uh, it's available at thebookpatch.com. You can look it up. Uh, it's a collection of devotional writings that I uh, collected over the years, and then we compiled that into a book. Uh, I believe it's an excellent read. Uh, you can read it in one sitting, or you can read it, you know, portion it out per day, per week, however you choose, but I think it's an excellent read. And while it inspires and it encourages, it also kind of gives a candid um, outline of my journey. And you know, I'm a podcaster. Um, one of the things, my, as my military career is starting to wind down and quickly come to a close, I'm recognizing that I'm just less than two years out from retiring. Maybe even less than that. I'm retirement eligible. It's my plan, but we know what happens when you have plans. I started to realize that I need to speak life into the journey forward. Um, because my journey, whether I want to believe it or not, it has been really outlined for me for these past 21 years um, in ways that I was intentional about, in ways that I was unintentional about. But now... We're heading into unfamiliar and uncharted territory. And so uh, my plans as I retire, I want to continue to write. I want to continue to podcast. I definitely want to be a motivational speaker and a, you know, establish myself as an inspirational brand. I definitely want to encourage and help people achieve their purpose in life. Uh, I recognize that. A lot of the uh, journeys that I wanted to take uh, in life, you know, I was trying to do those things that made sense and they weren't tied into who I really was or what um, I was really destined to do. And so you get to a point where you like, I need to try something different and do something different. And it's very scary. So. I'm an author, I'm a speaker, I'm a coach, I'm a consultant, and I speak those things going forward because this isn't, <laughs> this isn't a crazy ass. These are things that I already do. I just, uh, I haven't put fancy titles on them. I just operate in those offices naturally, and it's time for me to come to a, a measure of acceptance of who I truly am. Like, hey, you really already do this just because... You don't have the opinion of it that you should. And that that's something that I really want to encourage people. A lot of times you're doing great things and you just don't have the right opinion about it. And there are other people that just have the courage to put a title on it and claim it. And you're in the same class, you know, at the same level, producing at their level. You just don't have the courage or, you know, the inspiration to really speak that. So I want to speak that. Um and so, you know, things like that have really impacted my journey. It's recognizing that I was trying to operate in places that weren't really for me. And, uh, you know, as I start to get a taste of walking really into my purpose and in my strengths, you, you finally start to get to a point like, why wouldn't I want to operate in my gifts and in my purpose and what I was created to do? I know it's uncomfortable and it's scary at times. And operating in your purpose, really, that's that's taking away the safety net. You know, when we when we go other routes, you know, it, it, you got your safety net, you got your plan B. But when you operate in your purpose, there ain't no plan B. There's no safety net. 
And that's a scary thing because this world, we, we talk about safety. We're afraid of this. We're afraid of that. I'm afraid of dying and leaving purpose, um, you know, what I was created to do, opportunities, just leaving them on the table. I'm afraid of dying. And then can you imagine, uh, Les Brown once said this, can you imagine laying on your deathbed and, you know, people always imagine that moment being surrounded by family and loved ones. And can you imagine being surrounded by all of the great things that you were supposed to do, but you never did them and you're surrounded by them and they're saying, hey, all of these things that could have happened, you could have done this, this and that. And here we are with you and we're about to go to the grave with you because you were afraid. Uh, I, I just don't want that. I, you know, I'm getting to the point. I just refuse to just leave all of that on the table. So, uh, one of the things that I want to talk about is, you know, what, what inspired me to pursue <laughs> the discipline business industry or the endeavor that I'm currently in. And I think I just spoke a lot on that is that the end of my military career uh, is coming near. And I realized that I need to chase my dreams. I need to really go out there and self-actualize. It, it You know, in this age of being humble and, and, and not... You know, really yeah. trying to talk about yourself and all that. See, I got that. I got my amen corner over there. LJ is, is, is with me. But, you know, in this age of that, I've got to recognize that there are areas where I'm gifted. There are areas where I am like it's just naturally I'm naturally good. Not to ever say that because I'm naturally good that I don't work on them and that I don't refine them. But there are just areas that I'm naturally talented at. And it's like it's time to really utilize the, that skill set. You know, am, am I making sense? You know, it, yeah. it's time to yeah. do those yeah. things that I'm really passionate about. Stop living this life that has to be safe yeah. because I'm afraid of what somebody else is going to say or think. Because yeah. the people yeah. that you worried about yeah. that might have something to say or think something about it are not the people yeah. that are paying the bills, yeah. that are making yeah. sure you're okay. You know, every bill that comes into my house, I yeah. pay them. You know, every bill yeah, yeah. for my son, I'm the one paying that. So at some point, I have to take some of that, that responsibility of having the final say-so instead of giving say-so to the, the uh, you know, public opinion and, and other folks' thoughts of what should be. And that's honestly something I've struggled with in my life. And so, you know, I kind of spoke yeah. to that uh, quick synopsis of my military journey. The Air Force was never in the plan. Um, <laughs> you know, my grandfathers both served. Uh, I had an uncle. Well, I have two uncles, an uncle on my mother's side and an uncle on my father's side, both Air Force veterans. Um, and, you know, but, you know, when I was growing up, you know, that just wasn't a big thing. You know, I, I never saw uh, my grandfathers in uniform. And uh, I believe I saw one of my uncles. Uh, the uncle on my mother's side, he, he was killed um, when I was very young. But the uncle on my father's side, I was aware of his career, but I don't ever think I saw him in uniform in person. So, you know, there wasn't this big, oh, you know, I want to be like so-and-so. It was a part of their lives that they kind of talked about in a past tense or they talked about in passing. It wasn't a really big part of who they were. So, you know, my goal was to do some different things. You know, I went to college for a couple of years. And um, wasn't very successful at that and dropped out and came home and was just 
you know, if I was a person of beans, you would have called it a gap year, but it wasn't a gap year. It was it was a year of foolishness and shenanigans. And uh, one night I came home. I don't know what we had been getting into. It probably wasn't nothing, nothing, you know, uplifting or any good. But, you know, came home late one night and saw my mom. She was in her room on her knees praying. And I knew she was praying for me. So I went to go see a recruiter the next day. And so began my Air Force career 21 years ago. So, <laughs> and that's, that's what got me into the military. Uh, my biggest influences or inspirations. Um, on the military side, I definitely have plenty of uh, influences. Um, when I came in, there were two jobs that I wanted to do. I was a flight line guy. I refueled planes. My specialty were the fighters, but I was also qualified to do the heavies and the bombers. Um, but you know what really in two jobs I really wanted to do early on, you know, I wanted to be uh, uh, what we call a military training instructor or a drill sergeant, or I wanted to be a recruiter. And uh, those were the two big jobs. And um, my wife at the time, Martika Singletary, she she was not having me being a drill instructor. Those hours were long and she was a recruiter. So she really pushed me to go that way. And uh, I came into recruiting. And some of my influences are folks that uh, have retired and gone on, but they definitely impacted uh, my life. I remember as a young recruiter, I was, uh, I was very much influenced by Chief Master Sergeant retired Roderick Hector. You know, I just felt like he was so sharp. And uh, I really wanted to be like that. And then uh, I went to training and I met... Uh, you know, somebody that's still a, a close friend and actually is a coach, and I'm going to have him on as a guest. I met Chief Master Sergeant Retired Kevin Danley, and uh, I'll, I'll forget, I'll never forget, I met him in McGee Tyson in Tennessee, uh, right outside of Knoxville, and man, he was sharp. And he came in, you know, he had on his blues, and, and you know, he spoke, and he just had this command presence. So, you know, I was already like, yeah, I want to be like him, you know, like I want to be like that. I want to have that command presence. I want to come in and be sharp in my uniform like that. But then the second thing, you know, he left out of there. And I tell you what, man, all the ladies, they were like, oh, my God, did you see him? And I was like, bet. Yep. That's yep. I want to be like him. <laughs> so uh, he really uh, impacted my journey. Um really inspired by a couple of my mentors along the way. One of my mentors that I, I got to meet when I used to make trips out to Edwards Air Force Base, uh, a lot of you know him as the Fired Up Chief, is a retired Chief Master Sergeant Juan Lewis, and uh, one of my personal mentors. And um, one of the things that he always told me is he said, when you go into these places and you're interviewing or you're going in front of a board, he said, you got to make sure that your resume is irrefutable. You know, they can't tell me no or you're going to have to make them feel real bad about telling me no. And, uh, you know, he really not only impacted my career, but my life uh, with his mentoring. And he truly cared. You know, he truly cares. Uh, just amazing, phenomenal um, chief and a phenomenal human being. So he truly impacted my journey. Uh, and our uh, I've never met him in person, never had a conversation with him, but. 
uh, our retiring or outgoing Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, uh, Chief Wright, was a huge inspiration to me. Um, you know, and just the way that he carried himself and the way that he was able to take on uh, issues head on and did a lot of amazing things. But I just was so inspired the way that he remained unchanged in the face of praise or criticism that it was always about, you know, doing for others and, you know, leading, you know, for the impact to impact others positively. And I'm very inspired by that. And last but not least on the military side, and I won't say last, there's so many people that inspired me, but really changed my life, my career, somebody who inspired me not only as a military man, but somebody that chases their dreams and uh, as a single father is my main man, my brother, senior master sergeant retired Timothy Quisenberry. Um, just taught me how to really get after it and taught me how to take responsibility for my career, take responsibility for my life, not be one with excuses or trying to blame other folks. Um, and he's been singularly instrumental like he's been there for me you know in in any kind of way you can imagine you know and um and that's why i call him a brother because you know not only did i come in being inspired by him and looking up to him but you know he mentored me and he you know he really helped me get there to some of the places i wouldn't be sitting where i'm sitting if it wasn't for him as a matter of fact uh to accept my last my current assignment um I had to talk with him, you know, how, hey, how do you feel about it? Because we had both been through some things with the military and I was fine with just retiring and not accepting it. But when he said you've got to accept uh, that position, you know, I had to accept it. And, uh, you know, because, you know, his opinion carries a lot of weight with me. And then um, I almost forgot, man, my sister, uh, Chief Master Sergeant Retired Jessica Joy Taylor. Uh, and she'll be a guest on the show, as will uh, as will Tim and uh, brother Dr. Kevin Danley. There'll be some guests on our show. So I'm excited about that. Um, and these are people that have really inspired my journey. And some of my huge inspirations going forward, you know, I'll name three so that we can move on. But um, Les Brown. <laughs> he inspires me so much. And one of the things that he really helped me with is his approach to visualizing myself as a winner and as a success and his candidness about the struggles, because we can talk success, but even in success, there are going to be struggles and, and times that really tear you down. And the way that he's been able to express that, it's been times when I've been at my lowest and to hear him talking and then he cut out that laugh. I tell you what, if hearing him laugh, man, if it don't bring joy to you, uh, how, you know, just sincere, like, <laughs> I just, you know, I'm, I'm laughing and smiling and thinking about it. And, and, you know, I listen to him still to this day, uh, truly inspired by him. Uh, man, E.T., the hip hop preacher, he's, he's reached another level now. He's Dr. Eric Thomas. But uh, he continues to be an inspiration to me. You know, that lion mentality that if I don't do it, it ain't going to get done. Like just, ah, uh, man, I tell you. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm truly inspired by not only just his speeches and I've got a ton of his books and, you know, um, 
just uh, I'm I'm a huge fan. I feel like I've been mentored by John Maxwell. And one of the things that really inspires me about his journey is he was facing a similar situation as me, whereas he was in a position that was comfortable to him. And most people would have took that as a pinnacle of success and he could have just stayed there. But he took a chance and moved and did something that was more in line with his passions because he knew that he had a gift and that he needed to share it and that he needed to help others do the same. And so his journey, his writings, his mentoring have really inspired me and uh, been a big, huge influence and inspiration. Um, so the the next question, if I, if, if, if I could clone myself and be on both sides and say, hey, well, John, what what is your story of, of, of resilience? And what I mean by story of resilience is, is what's my story of something that I persevered through that significantly uh, changed me and that made me better when I would have been well within my rights to quit. And definitely I have many resiliency stories, but I will probably say that my primary resiliency story would be um, the sudden passing of my son's mother, of Martika L. Singletary. Uh, she passed, so we're just a couple of days out from it being two and a half months. She passed on March 1st, 2018. And uh, it's just amazing. You know, we were uh, divorced at the time. Um, we've got a beautiful son together. And, you know, uh, you get caught in emotions. You get caught in narratives. And the finality of death makes you see things differently. And I now see how greatly she impacted my life, how much she loved me, how much she uh, transformed my life. You know, I literally went, you know, I, I don't think I was ever operating at a low level. But, you know, to think about the man or the becoming of a man I was before her and the man that I am now because of her. You know, and when I talk about, you know, I've been in other relationships, but this was the only relationship that I can really remember that, you know, we talking about somebody that was just really in my corner and was just devoted to me. And it was just us and it was all about us. And, and you look back and you think, man, you know, <laughs> hindsight is always twenty twenty. Um, but, you know, um, I've reconciled a lot of that. But my resiliency story, you know, her passing suddenly um, and it wasn't super sudden. She had cancer, but, um, I remember December of 2017, you know, I went and got our son for, um, Christmas and this was going to be her first time not spending Christmas with him. So, you know, it was a big deal, you know, and obviously we didn't know what was coming down the pike. Um, and, you know, when we got back, she was complaining of back pain. She was gearing up. She was a runner. You know, after she had retired from the military, she had started getting into running. She ran with a group called BGR, Black Girls Run. And, um, you know, she was running half marathons. And she was, you know, just trying to gear up to do a couple of 5Ks and 10Ks. And she was just having a lot of pain in her back. And then uh, she said she had felt some lumps or some nodules. And, uh you know, she wanted to go to the doctor to see if it was could be cancer and come to find out that it was cancer. And then she had a um, 
she had an appointment to go see the doctor to kind of get where they were, what were the treatment options. But the back pain got so bad that she actually had to be taken to the emergency room two days before uh, the appointment with the oncologist. And when they came back with the oncologist, you know, we talked about somebody that was gearing up to run um, a marathon or races just a couple of weeks prior. And now we're getting the news. Uh, and this is all in January of 18. We're getting the news that she has stage four cancer. And, uh, you know, they said, you know, the prognosis was good. She was responding well to the radiation. They wanted to send her to some cancer treatment centers and this, that, and the other. So, you know, we were, you know, I got out there to see her and, you know, we were encouraging her and, you know, talked to all the doctors. And, you know, they were just confident that, you know, although it was bad, you know, that, you know, she could beat it, you know, and, and they, they had the treatment plan going. And uh, I got a call from her best friend, you know, so we've adopted her as my sister and LJ's auntie now, you know, and uh, because I wasn't getting a lot of information at the time. And I got a call and she said, hey, the doctors are talking about they want to get the family together. And I think you need to get here. At the time, I was in Illinois, and she was in Charleston, South Carolina. And I remember getting on a plane, and I was there uh, the next day. And, you know, I'm expecting, you know, I'm just, I'm not getting a lot of information because I'm so far away. And, you know, I'm the ex-husband. So, you know, a lot of people didn't feel like I had a need to know. And, uh, but when I got there, you know, they had her all hooked up on, you know, the the ventilators and all of that and you know you kind of subconsciously know but then you don't know you know you got that hope I tell you what that that the audacity of hope you know and you know we I had this hope hey you know we'll keep praying but mentally I was watching they took her off of you know the pneumonia had gotten bad and they stopped treating it and they just put her on a morphine drip for the next couple of days uh, and this was late February, you know, so I was sitting there and, you know, um, I think being there on that day and watching her take her last breath, you know, and then having to navigate my own grief, navigate the grief of my son, um, trying to figure out a way to put the the um, funeral together to make sure she got her military honors. <laughs> trying to figure out a way to pay for the funeral. And, you know, here I am. I've been in, in Charleston and, you know, I didn't I didn't have a connection. So, well, I got friends out there, but, you know, me and LJ, you know, I had to uh, stay in hotels and, you know, I was in a rental car for like almost a month and all this. And just I was amazed looking back on it. Like if you would have told me I was going to drop twenty five, thirty thousand dollars in the span of a month or so, I would have laughed at you and said, not only am I not, I don't even think I'm able, but, you know, in the time, I was able to step up and do that and, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, she got the proper honors, you know, and all of that. And, uh, you know, it, it was just such a, a crazy time. And, and every day, I was inspired by the fact that I needed to get up and I needed to make sure my son was okay and 
you know, get him off to school. And every day I had a sense of purpose, like, hey, I got to figure out how to get all this other stuff taken care of. I got to, you know, the transfer because, you know, now he's coming from South Carolina back to Illinois with me and just continually trying to figure those things out. I really think that's what kept me sane. It's because I had so much that I had to do that I didn't have time to break down and quit and, and not be able to take it. I, I had stuff that I had to do. And, uh, man, I'm so thankful for all of my friends and family that supported me and came through. Um, uh, I had a, a guy that worked for me, man. He he got me a, a, a hotel room on his point, him and his wife's points. And, you know, it's just so much, you know, like... I really saw the community. You can't do these things alone. But then navigating this new life with me and my son, we we in a new place, um, figuring out all this stuff that his mom did. And I'm like, man, this woman was a superhero. I got to register school in the middle of the year and all the therapies and this, that, and the other. And, uh, you know, as hard as it was, I think that it was a moment that, that had to happen to push me into my destiny. Like, I believe that my son and our connection and my responsibility is so important. It's a singular moment in my destiny as a man, you know, and, uh, you know, I accept that and I embrace it because I want to be everything that I was created to be. And I've learned so much, you know, because I've learned about myself that stepping up and handling responsibility is in me. I do that. Um, So, you know, stepping up to fatherhood. I mean, how can you not? I love him so much. He's such a beautiful, he's such a beautiful spirit. He's just so amazing. Um, So stepping up to that, stepping up to the demands and the responsibilities of leadership in my organization, because I believe in people and a lot of people falsely believe that having a position or a title is about them. And it's not, you know, for all of the power and for all of the benefits that people believe I get, they would never recognize that my level of responsibility, it it outpaces all of that. The most abundant thing with leadership is responsibility and you know if you don't see it like that you are doing a disservice to your people that you have been guided and handed the keys to serve and so I believe that that drive to serve people it really showed me about myself and one of the things that I've really learned in these last two years or so um, self-care now let me not say that as if I've mastered that or even gotten a passing grade on it. I do terrible at self-care, but at least I'm at a point where I recognize I need to do a better job at self-care. But I do a horrible job, but I've got to recognize that if I'm not on, then, you know, I can't take care of my son. I can't take care of the people that are charged to my hand. So, I believe that that's an event that that's my resiliency story. I, I could have given up or I could have decided not to accept that challenge. But, you know, um, I'm thankful for it and how it has changed me. And, you know, one of the other questions that I would really I really love to ask people, you know, what are what are resources? What are things you would suggest? If you ask me what I would suggest for somebody that wants to 
go into the disciplines or to the passions that uh, I'm passionate about, I would definitely say that you need to subscribe and follow the Help Myself podcast. <laughs> I, think I'm a, I, I think I can definitely drop some nuggets that'll help you along in your journey. You know, really take a look at yourself and get there. Uh, I would really advise coaching. You know, I employ a life coach, um, <laughs> fitness coach. I need to utilize that a little bit more and get back into my best shape. Um, you know, I'm I'm negotiating to get a business coach. You know, there's all kinds of coaches that are available through social media and online. And, and uh, you know, I want to get a, you know, I, I've had a couple of writing coaches. You know, I want to continue to do that. Um you know, and yeah. there there are people that you can follow yeah. on social media. There are people that, you know, to 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 get involved in purpose, the resources, I would say definitely read. And, and it doesn't matter to me whether you read the book or you read it on a digital source or you listen to an audio book. Um, I made a pivot years ago. I knew I needed to read more, but I had to decide that I was going to put down you know, fiction, and I had to go with nonfiction, you know, things that would build me up. So I made it an intentional choice to read those books. And it, it's definitely been some of those books that have really, really changed my life and my perspective. Um, I would definitely say, um, be mindful of your diet. And when we talk about diet, obviously what you're eating and drinking and that kind of stuff, but be mindful of your mental diet. What are you putting in your mentals? Like, is your source of reference or your frame of reference consistently just mindless social media and TV? Or are you consistently um, and intentionally putting other things in there? Are you listening? Man, listen to some of these TED Talks that are out there. Uh, you know, read books on statistics or projects that you're passionate about. Be filled with knowledge. We live in a world that is filled with a lot of opinions because having a strong opinion these days is a way to get a lot of following. And a lot of people, they get a lot of, of money <laughs> for it. And, you know, one of my things that I always would talk about is I say, I remember when you could turn it on to the sports shows and they were talking statistics and matchups. And now these jokers are in there. They want to have an opinion about <clears throat> excuse me, they want to have an opinion about somebody's life or, you know, uh, what they did or why they did it, you know, and I'm just like, that's fine. I think there's a space for opinion, but definitely um, a lot of people, I don't want to say all, um, I've noticed a lot. We'll, we'll keep it at my perspective. I'm not going to go out there with generalizations, but in a lot of cases, you get opinions that don't have any real knowledge or any real, you know, um, you know, research behind them. It's just, hey, you know what? I got an opinion on this. Somebody else said this and I'm going to say this. So knowledge, getting knowledge, that'll really change the game for you. Um, you know, and a quick, a quick take or a motto or a mantra that I live by and I would advise all of you that are listening to live by, you know, I open up with it. You know, I can't help myself. I've got to inspire. I've got to encourage. I've got to empower. What is it about you? When I say I can't help myself, I'm really saying that this is something that's intrinsic to me. This is something that's built inside of me. This is a passion. This is a part of the way I'm built. 
I have to encourage, empower, and inspire because it's just in me, and I've got to I've got to get it out. I write because it's in me, you know. I speak because it's in me, and it's something that I desire to do because there's that strong tie on the inside. But then also, um, you know, when we we talk about that, and I say, but I can help myself by becoming the best version of myself. And that's something that I really live by is, you know, I want to self-actualize and I want others to self-actualize. I want people to be the best version of themselves, not a carbon copy of anybody else. Um, It's something that I really train with my teams and lead. And I always tell them, look, we've got, you know, rules that we've got to abide by, rules, laws, all of that. I said, but. Find the space to personalize what you're doing to make it fit with your strengths because there, you know, there's so many different ways of success and I want people to do it in a way that's natural to who they truly are. Uh, Some other things that I live by, hey, look, you know, I want to change the world one life at a time. Um, I may never be in front of huge crowds, but you know, if I could consistently influence the people that are in my circle and that I come in contact with and make their lives better, I will really feel like I've had an impact. Um, you know, accolades and, and all of that, that's not important to me, but true impact. That's important to me. And um, one of the things that I'm passionate about, you know, my vision statement is that I want to use all of my resources, my connections, my abilities uh, and my skills to not only encourage, but to assist others to understand and discover their purpose and then to discover ways to live out their purpose. And, you know, the plan is to do this by referral, to do this by one-on-one coaching, group training, uh, resources, all of that. But I want to ensure that my life vision is lived out to help others live out their visions for their lives. And so, you know, that's that's really what I definitely live by and I believe in. And, you know, as a parting thought, you know, I want to let you know, hey, you only get one life. You know, I'll tell you this uh, this story and we'll close out because I've definitely kept you longer than normal. But I thank you so much for still hanging in this long. But uh, I remember one time we were in the mall. I was in the mall with a friend and, um, you know, they have the booths that are in between the stores, you know, the standalone booths. And there was a young lady and they were selling um, skincare products. And uh, the young lady, she had a a heavy accent. I believe she was from Israel. and, And she was saying, hey, hey, you only get one skin. You got to take care of it. You only get one skin. And that always stuck with me. And, you know, when I think back on that, you only get one life, you know, and a lot of us are living like we ain't we got time. We're living like we got a do over. We're living like we get two or three opportunities at this. But this is the only life we get. And so my question would be, why not live it to the fullest? Why not live your life the way you want to? And that's why I always say, get your life. (laughs) Because you only got one. And so if I could tell you anything, man, value that life, value the people in your life, take the expectations off of them, experience them and love them because you never know when you'll lose them. 
but forget never knowing when you lose them. Cherish the opportunity to love them. You've got today Um, because, you know, as I said in my resiliency story, death is so final and it makes you see things so clear because you can't recreate that narrative anymore. And you get a lot of clarity over the, the, the things that you falsely believed. But you only get you only get one time. You only get one life, rather. <laughs>